It's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. I've been drowning too long to believe that the tide's going to turn. And I've been living too hard to believe things are going to get easier now. I'm still trying to shake off the pain from the lessons I've learned. And if I see Van Helsing, I swear to the Lord I will slay him. Ah, 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 he'd take you from me, but I swear I won't let it be so. Ah, 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 blood will run down his face when he is decapitated. Ah, his head on my mantle is how I will let this world know how much I love you. If you're listening, I don't know what time it is, but I hope this podcast can take you from six to midnight. This is Spoilers. That's a good one. I thought it was good. Adjust pants. Boner joke. A lot of penis in this movie, so you might as well. Depends on the version, though. There's penis in all the versions. Yeah, I think there's penis in every version. Negatory, not on United Airlines. <laughs> there's penis in every virgin. What? <laughs> anyway, this is your host, Stevie. Good one, Josh. <laughs> yeah, real, uh, real, real banger there. That's what it sounded like you were saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, today we are going to spoil the hilarious uh, rom-com classic, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. One of my favorite comedies, and I cannot wait to talk about it. Uh, but first, we're going to start with a... Actually, you know what? Um, Corey and Josh, kind of want you to break this down. Corey, you just visited from California to Indiana. Uh, how was your time here? Hello, Stevie. This is Corey. It was amazing, as you well know, because we hung out together and had some laughs, had some cries. Mm-hmm. It was a great time. Josh took me to the airport just uh, yesterday. How was I think that? it was. How'd it go? Why are you digging? Can we get the opening questions? What happened? Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to know what happened. Josh, take it away. Uh <laughs> we left with plenty of time, but good old Josh, I wanted to swing by the good old Golden University on the way out. That was fine. Cost us maybe 10, 12 minutes. Twenty five. But, <laughs> Corey, did you like seeing the Golden University? Yeah, yeah. did I see in the dome? What do you think? Yeah, that place is very fascinating to me. Like, it looks cool, and it looks like I was telling Josh the kind of place that like is so far beyond my realm of reality. Like, I I couldn't imagine possibly being a student at a place like that prestigious and that fancy. So it, it was a great sight to see for sure. He said he thought a lot of sick people probably hung out there, but anyway. <laughs> We continued on, and things were going really well. The drive was going smooth. I had the music on, but like so low. We were just talking like the whole time, and we're going like kind of a route that's new to me. But I know that sometimes it takes you through the city if there's traffic. But we get two or three minutes away from our destination in Google Maps, and I'm really starting to feel like this is weird. But at least we're in Chicago. <laughs> and we pull into this like abandoned little like house cul-de-sac thing. 
and I, ch- I, I press back on Google Maps to check the destination. And for some reason, we're going to Pennywise uh, Pawn Shop in Naperville. And we are basically 40 minutes away from oh the freaking God. airport. Uh, how late were you? I dropped right. Corey off six minutes before his place started boarding. Oh, 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 my God. <laughs> so I get in there, and of course, it's one of the most epic TSA security checkpoints I've ever it's seen O'Hare. in my fucking life. Oh, scare. Insane. I make it through, and then my bag gets flagged. Because there was a fucking bottle of water that I forgot no. about. No. I threw away what I thought were all the bottles of water. They set my bag aside. They forget about it. And I'm waiting, and they're going through other people's shit. I had to go up to them and say, that's my bag over there. Please have someone look at it so I can get on my plane. I wait a few minutes. I have to remind them again. Damn. Is this where the tears were? Yeah, pretty. Yeah, you said there were some cries, and I wasn't aware of any cries. No, me and Stevie had some cries. (laughs) Okay. So I get my bag, I have my backpack and my carry on. I hug this fucking carry on, and I just run through this airport to (laughs) the gate that's really far away. I'm running upstairs, running through the people mover, you know, the escalator that doesn't go up or down, it just goes straight. I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, just booking it past people like fucking Sonic the Hedgehog. I make it to my gate, and there was still a line of people. Like, you know, normally you would think everyone would be in because it was past the cutoff time, but there was still a line, so I get in at the very end, sweating my ass off from this run. Super hot in there, too. And I make it as the last person on the plane. That is awesome. Wow. (laughs) One more thing, though, Corey. You had to tell me at least twice that I, quote, don't need to haul so much ass. I've, I don't know if I've ever driven like that in my entire life. I was reporting this back to Teresa. Glad you made it, though, buddy. Josh, that's how uh, Brian from Fast and Furious, Paul Walker, died. Like, the way you were driving. It, you were getting a little excessive. Oh, dude. Every second counted. <laughs> I'm glad that you wasted... Absolutely wasted 23 minutes checking out Notre Dame when it's like not that much to see. <laughs> How is Pennywise Pawn Shop though? That sounds cool, dude. And that's the thing. I, the only either because I wasn't even. In? I didn't type in anything like that. Either I just clicked a random point with like my knee when my phone was on my knee, or like I clicked the voice button. And Corey said he said the word Pennywise at one point during the trip. I think during the conversation, movies. Pennywise yeah. came up. Talking As will happen. About like yeah. movies and shit. He's yeah. kind of looking around. Not a lot of planes at this airport. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Dumb and Dumber, you know, when they like end up in the wrong John state. John Denver's full of shit, man. Yeah, I was like, Chicago O'Hare. That's amazing that you made it. Josh, how ba- how bad did you feel when you arrived at Pennywise Pawn Shop? I didn't even see it with my own two eyes. I just saw briefly that that's what was my there. Just panic, and you're like immediate. Just oh no! <laughs> I was like, it can't be too far away. <laughs> Twenty-seven miles. <laughs> oh my god! I but I will say, I, that w- I was so nervous, and then I dropped Corey off, and I was like, call me when you like get to TSA, so that like. I know if you're going to make it or not. And I get this call like way too late. And he goes, I think I might be next in line. 
there's like no way I'm going to make my flight. Uh, I got to go. He's <laughs> like, no. So I pulled off to a gas station and just waited you there. You didn't wait in the cell phone lot? I don't even know what that is, Stevie. I found <sighs> the nearest gas station, waited, and I called freaking his... Can I say the name of the flight? He rode United, and I had his flight number. I looked it up. I knew his name, and I pretended I was his brother. I found out his birthday, and I was like, how can I get a hold of the desk in the airport so they can like hold the plane for him? He's running right now. I know he's got to be running. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, sorry, buddy. Cannot, cannot help you, That's buddy. That's what they said? <laughs> Dang you it. You tried that? Yes. They, yes, I went through like all the steps. Hi, I'm Josh Ren memes. Uh, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> they never made me identify myself. I just had to say, what flight number is it? Well, well, we can tell you his departure number or something from that. And then I was like, here's his birthday. Also goes by Sweet like, Heat. Anyway, I'm dragging the story way too far. It it, it was epic, but I'm so glad you made it, Corey. I was so happy when you (laughs) called and said you were just boarding. Unbelievably happy. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. You got me there. You know, you hung around in case something happened. It worked out. First trip to Indiana, Michigan, Illinois. Success. Tri-state area. Land of milk and honey. Okay. I have an opening question for tonight, though. There's a few questions I could have thrown out th- out there. A couple that were thrown at me, I decided against them. They can get a little heavy. <laughs> Thanks, Stevie. I try, Pep. And, um, you know, I thought we'd just keep it light. So, in this movie, I think his name is Chemo, says, you know, it's like the Sopranos. You gotta let it go. Find a new show. So, I want you guys to either name a movie or a TV show that anytime you think about it, it just puts you in a rage-like state or it makes you sad at what it could have been. And we will go Isis to Weestus. Uh, I think I'm Isis with no Brett or no Jordan. I was going to say, please start with Pappy yeah. after the conversation we had the other night. <laughs> uh, this is Pappy recording from Kalamazoo, Michigan. I hope, are we talking about Cloverfield? Is that what you're thinking of or Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones. I'll save Got for someone else. I, I, I do want to say that the Cloverfield Paradox movie was one of the most disappointing things I've ever seen in my whole life. Like they advertised it after the Super Bowl, and everyone was super excited for it. We were super excited for it. I we stayed pre- up for it post Super Bowl. We did a preview episode. Like episode twelve was like predictions for Cloverfield Paradox, and one single movie destroyed. The whole franchise after a great sequel 10 cloverfield lane i just think why can't jj abrams finish anything you well, can't open boxes man you him? can't open them i mean like cloverfield was his baby his whole thing and i think we did a podcast on it it was a shit show i'll save got for someone else probably josh will say last jedi but i'll, I'll say uh the cloverfield franchise george this is josh from goshen I'm recording this podcast out of the kitchen we're all just hanging out in a few days ago, but now it's just me alone <laughs> in the kitchen. Um, yeah, I will say Game of Thrones. I I got this clip pulled up. Arya gets stabbed by the waif. Game of Thrones, season six, episode seven. That's where I have always identified that show as jumping the shark.
Mikey, recording from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I think just right off the bat, or right off the top of my head, I have to say Thrones. And I remember telling you guys, like halfway, like the first couple episodes, or maybe halfway through, uh, I was like, this is bad. This is going to end badly. Mm -hmm. And you guys were all like, no, this is great. (laughs) You don't understand, Mikey. (laughs) I remember it specifically at the episode where uh, everything was dark and you guys didn't have any complaints about it. And I was like, I couldn't see fucking shit in that episode. That was like the worst episode of TV I've ever seen because you just couldn't see anything. It was like the battle at, I don't know, it was the Ice King or it's whatever. When you said it was going to end bad, I thought you were going to be like... If you guys think this has a happy ending, you're not paying attention. <laughs> no, like, as in the season was a disappointment, because Stevie knows, like, we complained, like, two, three se- seasons previously. When we saw like, Ed Sheeran, it was happening? like, it, it's, it's done. <laughs> like, we, we saw Ed yeah. Sheeran, and then there was that season where they went somewhere and then came back, and that was, like, the only thing that happened. Like, they just traveled really far the entire season. Nothing had changed. Yeah. And we were just, I don't know. <laughs> Definitely Game of Thrones is what I, I I would have to say off the top of my head. Pappy was very, very upset about Game of Thrones the other day. <laughs> yeah. It still bothers me. It was a great conversation, but like I, I think Pappy he had a lot of great things to say about like I mean your gripe was really with the writers, right? Well and like D and D. Mikey's right. Mikey called that it, it was bad before any of us. I think I was just so clinging to false hope that wasn't there at that point in time like oh they can still fix this oh it could still be good and then it ends and you realize that it's it it still can't be good that's the way it's (laughs) gonna end like but i still blame george martin like D &D are good at adapting books it's a totally different skill set totally different skill tree that they've leveled up than having to make up an ending to a story which is so hard that george martin spent 15 years writing this book to try and do it right like or the next two books, so I, I don't know. I don't blame them, but Game of Thrones is a fucking shit show. I'm really surprised Josh didn't say Last Jedi, though. Do you really? That's what I thought he was going to go with. Have you let that go? He said a TV series. TV series, Or a yeah. movie. <laughs> Last Jedi is good. Your character arc is complete. You like Last Jedi. Yeah, I finally come full circle. Josh, did your eye twitch when you said Last Jedi was good right there? Yeah, Last <laughs> Jedi is good. <laughs> I need medicine, my lord. <laughs> Corey? Stevie, you want to go next? You, are you just waiting? Are you still thinking? No, I thought uh, you were before me. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll go next. Um, I'll throw a movie out there. Um, this is a movie I was very excited for, and it's a movie I've only seen like once since its original release, and I still fucking hate it, and I'm still mad at it. And it's something that like only Damian Lindelof could fix, and that was... Zack Snyder's uh, The Watchmen. Um, oh. I absolutely hate that movie with a burning passion. I thought you liked that movie. No. You can't take out the octopus, man. You, you just, you got to get it in there somehow. And if... I'm fist pounding you so hard through the Skype like, call. Right the now. idea that like it would be expensive, not even to like, make like even a mention of it or give it an attempt, I feel like it's so Bush League because it, it's a part of it like what makes the story great and to just abandon that. And also not just that, but Zack Snyder literally just like copied every scene and every page word for word. It's like he had a ton of work to do 
And when you do all of that and you take out something so cool as the octopus in the city or the squid or what the fuck ever, like, it could have been amazing. And that's what Damien Lindelof and HBO fixed. So I will probably never watch that movie again. Unless I pick it for a punishment movie. That is a punishment movie and a half, dude. Like, that's a punishment movie. I, yeah. That's like that's like the one Zack Snyder movie I can tolerate. Oh, I hate it so much, dude. I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> yeah, but I hate it. But I've, yeah, I've only read the comic once. I wonder if in the future Kylo might be in a position to dole out a punishment movie. Whoa. Who's to say? In the future. <laughs> Who knows what the future holds, Josh? <laughs> this is Corey, Kylo Ren memes. I'm recording out of Simi Valley, California now, now that I'm back home. Thank you guys for having me. It was a blast seeing you all in person. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know you were talking about movies there, Stevie, so I just jotted down the first thing that came to mind in terms of shows. And I don't really get enraged about this. That one would probably take more thought. But I will say this. I really hated the fucking ending of Dragon Ball Z. <gasps> now, we talked about that show. We bonded over it, how much we like that show and how cool Super is and some of the associated Dragon Ball movies. I'm a big fan of Super. Big fan of Super. But I do not like the Boo Saga in Dragon Ball Z. It just goes on and fucking on. Who's your favorite Boo? I don't like any of them, man. <laughs> and the fact that like they kept Fat Boo around, but like he has like no impact, like he does absolutely jack shit. Like Dragon Ball Z has like a history of kind of like taking a villain and turning them and doing something interesting with them. Well, they they castrate them for the most part. Yeah, wow. They do get nerfed sometimes too a bit, but yeah, I mean uh, the Boo Saga really killed interest for me. And not to mention Dragon Ball GT is just like not even worth watching at all that's a really tough watch dragon ball gt is <laughs> honorable mention hobbit anyone i feel like we're forgetting about sarah marshall right now we're just talking josh and saving that one up a lot to catch up joke. on <laughs> are you yucking my yum man i'm just trying to get through the intro haven't seen you guys in so long gotta <laughs> yeah. catch up what's new <laughs> yeah All right, Josh, let's kick it to you. Um, how does this movie start out, and what do you think of its breakneck speed? Uh, what is the very first image that we get, Stevie? Can you lead me a little bit? I'm trying to rewind. We got popping titties, bro. We got Peter Bretter. Good for you, Peter. Good for you. Yeah, just standing in front of a mirror, popping titties in his uh, very messy house. What does he do at the very beginning? Is he splashing his face with water or doing a line of coke? He like sniffs really hard. He's not doing coke. He's not doing coke. He has allergies, dude. He's just an awkward guy in a bathroom. <laughs> That's yes. how we start off. Peter Brother's not a coke guy. And it becomes a trope and it's something that's hit on in earnest later in the movie, but we really do get a sense that he's just kind of like a man-child kind of person. He's goofy, little lazy, eat cereal like out of this way too big bowl um, <laughs> and tells his girlfriend that it's salad over the phone like this is the kind of guy he is right he wears sweatpants and batman t-shirts i mean he seems cool to hang out with but he seems like he might be kind of a tough roommate you said breakneck pete speed stevie this movie's slow it's yeah. a little slow no, it moves fast. There's two things on Letterboxd that people came at this movie for. One was that it was boring 
which I disagree with. That's and the such other one was shit. that there's too much nudity, which I also disagree with. We love Dawn here on this podcast. <laughs> they complained complained about the male nudity, but if right, yeah, Kristen Bell or Mila Kunis is out here nude, I'm sure nobody would complain. <laughs> right, Pap? Hmm. Male academia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, it's a pretty great cock. Got a great cock, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> nice cock, bro. We do kind of see his butthole because he like bends over as well. So yeah, he's going all he's going all out. I want to say as a quick side note, I watched this movie on my plane ride from <laughs> India or from Chicago O'Hare to back to L.A. and I was really worried that uh, I was gonna be showing dick to the people next to me. But the the version that was on United Airlines, like, you know, uh, DVR, did not show his dick. I got a surprise for you. And Airplane I know that there cut. is a regular version and an unrated version, so I must have watched the regular. I, yeah, I feel like there's, like, some weird extended edition or something as well. There is. It's, like, the unrated, like, uncut version. Never seen it. Uh, it's okay. Um, just a... A little bit more nudity, like not a whole lot more towards the plot. But, um, Pap, like, what do you think about, like, the inciting incident in this movie, like, happening so fast? We really don't get, like, a whole lot of, like, normal life to start out with for Peter. Yeah, everything that we know about their relationship at first is established through just, like, decor in the house, like, like pictures of them or whatever, as he's, like, frantically trying to clean up before his girlfriend gets home. Um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I, I do like that. This is a pretty long movie. It's pretty close to, to two hours. So I, I feel like it's a good thing that the breakup happens early. Um, I, I don't know. I think that whole first scene is pretty fucking hilarious with him shaking his dick and it like making the noise against <laughs> his thighs. Like, <laughs> I, dude, I saw one person say that like Jason Siegel wrote this movie so he could show his penis to people. Like. I don't know. It's like what Mikey said. It's like it's way more commendable for you to put yourself out there and be nude than to like have Mila Kunis be nude or something. And that's know? clearly not real from Mila Kunis. That's like her face photoshopped on top of somebody else's body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Jason Siegel, he's showing butthole in this movie. He's like, <laughs> he's going all out. Like it's kind he of bends. awesome. Yeah, it's kind of awesome that he's just like so willing to do that. Yeah, I would say that too to them. It's like, okay, yeah, he shows his penis, but he also puts himself in the least attractive position yeah. a person possibly could, like the standing fetal position. Like this also <laughs> happened to him in real life. Really? Yes, he was broken up broken up with while he was naked. Oh, that's that's tough. I want to add another note on that topic because there was a show that he was in in like 1999 or the year 2000. It was one of my <laughs> one of my favorite shows at the time actually. It was called Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Great show. And it was about like like stoner burnouts and nerds going to high school in the early 80s. And he was one of like the burnout guys, like a a heavy metal kind of classic rock guy. Um but he was dating a girl in the show. The actress was Linda Cardellini, mm. and they started dating in real life. And apparently some of the breakup stuff that's in this movie <sighs> is about him and her. 
And I heard this somewhere and I couldn't find it to verify it, but I heard on a podcast somewhere that Linda Cardellini, when she got famous, was kind of known for being like a hoe in the industry. Mm. Really? So I, I have a feeling some of that carried over to this movie too. So Linda Cardellini is Sarah Marshall is what you're telling me? Jason Siegel officially said it's a combination of a few breakups he had. But it's her. <laughs> but when asked about her, he was he didn't he's like, oh, well, she you know, she's great. No, we're great. You know, <laughs> don't ask any more questions, please. <laughs> is uh, is she a landlord, too? A landlord. <laughs> what do you mean by that? So Kristen Bell is she's a big time oh. landlord. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, Linda Cardellini, I'd be pretty broken up about that. That'd, that, that'd be a tough one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Mikey. What's a Peter like post uh, Sarah Marshall breakup? Uh, he's pretty pathetic, but it's really hilarious because he's relying a lot on his stepbrother Bill Hader uh, yeah. for some emotional support and kind of, kind of getting the feelers back out there. He like he just wants to fuck somebody immediately because he knows <laughs> that Sarah has been fucking. Uh, what's that guy's name? Russell, Russell Brand's Brand. character. Yeah, Russell Brand's character, Aldous Snow. Uh, he knows that she's been cheating on him, so he kind of just wants to bang somebody. And he goes through a montage of just really <laughs> awful sex. <laughs> One of my favorite like informative parts about Jason Siegel's key character, Peter, is that he still has his same doctor, who's a pediatrician, that he's probably <laughs> had his entire life and goes to him to get his like, STDs checked. Like... That's the kind of guy he is. He doesn't take a lot of initiative. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a nice dick, Peter. Yeah. Use it. It's a beautiful dick. <laughs> beautiful <that> dick. <laughs> Peter, look at you. You're sitting on a fire truck. <laughs> <laughs> Last night, like some sort of idiot, I had sex with this woman who I barely even know. Uh, I used a condom, but I'm really scared that I have an STD, Doc. Peter, I'm a pediatrician. Have you noticed you're sitting on a fire truck? Right. Little kids running. Yeah, this is new. I like it. Uh -huh. Kind of backed up. Could you take a look at my penis? What do you think about the crime scene? Seeing the crime, Stevie. Yeah, it's a show. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Like for us who grew up with the CSI bullshit, that was just people taking off their glasses, and then teenage wasteland screaming after someone says a corny ass line. Like it's a 30 it's, rock commercial. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah. I mean, same with animal instincts. Like if that's something 30 rock with like Jack and lemon would just be pitching hard. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's absolutely perfect. I, and I do like how Billy Baldwin's in it quite a bit. Yeah. I was going to say, is that just because there's another Baldwin? Is that the, the connection? I just think it's funny as hell that, it, you know, it's Billy Baldwin out of everybody. You yeah. Know what I mean? He's, not a great actor. <laughs> I think that's just <laughs> no. another reason he was cast for that. That's why I find it funny. And just just the camera angles they're using, like the serious music. And when someone says something that's like, you know, a double entendre, you have another character looking off in the distance. It's so perfect. So, yeah, I, I do like the uh, the crime scene uh, videos. Uh, my favorite part when he's kind of down in the dumps is when he's trying to add music to one of those shows. And he's there with the audio engineer. He fucks up his screen. That scene always cracks me up. Because he just he's goes playing Seinfeld on it. <laughs> playing Seinfeld. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. 
The victim's penis was found behind the AC unit. Just go with the usual stuff, maybe. Something dark and ominous, like losing your penis is a bad thing. But do you guys not like the guy doing an impression of Alec Baldwin on a crime TV show? His brother, his Billy? Brother. To me, yeah, I know. But to me, he's like doing an impression of Alec Baldwin. That's the way I like yeah, to see it. He is, isn't he? Yeah. I thought he was doing an impression of Caruso from Miami. <laughs> I mean, it kind of seems like that's a character that's in all these cop shows, right? Like That could be like almost Detective Stabler with hair. Don't they use his real name in the movie? Billy Baldwin? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That means 30 Rock exists in this universe. Exactly. That means Alec Jack Donaghy <laughs> yeah. greenlit a Billy Baldwin in a universe where Alec Baldwin exists, but he's not Jack. He would totally cut his own brother's show. That would be a great <laughs> episode. <laughs> Lemon, I need you to fire Billy. Your brother? <laughs> show sucks. The music is probably a killer for it, though. Genius music for that detective show, right, guys? Well, it's dark and ominous, so it it works out just fine. What do you think his talent level musically is in this movie? Very high. Yeah, Yeah. creatively very high, apparently, right? Like, writing a musical does not seem like an easy task. Aldous Snow likes this song. It's the only song he liked on Sarah Marshall's iPod. Yeah, it's like a gothic Neil Diamond. That's exactly what I was going for. I'd go see this (laughs) Muppet show at the end. I think it looks cool. Probably be very funny. Was Russell Brand being sincere, or is that him being like fake to endear himself? No, I think he's being sincere. It's very sincere. I don't think he has a big filter like that when he talks. Yeah. Hence him being like, yeah, I've been fucking your girlfriend for a year yeah. right afterwards. <laughs> he's, not, he's not thinking before he's speaking here. <laughs> Corey, take us to Hawaii when, uh, when pretty much when Peter lands. Yeah, so Peter does go to Hawaii, and he kind of does this of his uh, slightly of his own initiative, but slightly from his uh, brother-in-law. You know, he decides to get away. Like just banging <laughs> random chicks is not giving him quite the relief that he had hoped for. Although he can bag some pretty serious babes, so like. Yeah, I mean, he should just fucking get over it and be happy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's funny, too, because, you know, he wrote this movie, and I I really do honestly wonder, like, is he, like, a really good-looking guy? Because, I don't know, to me, he seems kind of like a goofball, you know? <laughs> Doesn't look particularly handsome, but maybe the money takes him a long way. He's a guy that gives average white guys hope, okay? <laughs> My wife finds him very attractive. Really? Yeah. He's pretty tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tall and a personality thing. It's funny, tall and funny. Yeah, tall and funny is that a good thing. Josh? Tall and funny. That's that's the way to go. Beautiful dick. <laughs> Beautiful dick. <laughs> I got one out of those three things. Okay. <laughs> tall. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> so part of, part of the joke of him going on this vacation is that he just goes there to this specific resort <laughs> for a vacation. You know, away from work. It's obviously not working anymore, but he runs into his ex-girlfriend, Sarah Marshall, played by Kristen Bell, as well as Aldous Snow, played by Russell Brand. And 
He doesn't mean to run into them, but it's probably very hard to explain that this is a coincidence, right? <laughs> Obviously, he seems like a huge stalker, and then he immediately starts acting like a huge stalker. <laughs> I'm here to murder you. <laughs> His face trying to fake laugh. That actually is funny. Like That's a really good line. Like, it bothered me that he never has a sincere moment where he's like, seriously, Sarah, this is a coincidence. I can't believe this happened. Like That kind of bothered me. Have you ever, though, Josh, been in a situation where, like, a huge coincidence like that happens and, like, you can't even go there? Like, you can't even take the road to try to explain it as being a coincidence, even though... Explaining it sounds worse than than avoiding it. (laughs) It reminds me at the beginning of this pod when I was arriving, telling you about arriving at Pennywise uh, Pawn Shop. It's like, (laughs) how can I even explain this to a human being that I took this guy halfway across Chicago in the wrong direction? In the wrong direction! (laughs) (laughs) it's not like totally a coincidence though right because like we haven't mentioned bill Hader yet one of the best characters in this movie but he's like you got to go somewhere peter like stop acting like this and peter goes to hawaii because that's where sarah always wanted to go so he's still not like broken free from that it's just like an unfortunate coincidence at the the same resort and then eventually the next door room yeah I just like how Bill Hader looks at him and he was like, Sarah always talked about this place in Hawaii. Maybe we should go to Hawaii. And Bill's like, no, don't go to Hawaii. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then just feeling so much pity for him. He's like, fine, if you want to go to Hawaii, go to Hawaii. Like, I don't care. But one of my favorite lines at the desk, it's just something so small, but it's also kind of a joke that comes back later is when Peter sees Sarah and like Sarah's walking towards him. And Peter's like, I wish I wasn't wearing this fucking shirt. And Mila Kunis <laughs> looks at him and goes, you'd be wearing the shirt regardless. Like, that's such a great line. We get introduced to Jonah Hill pretty quickly. And I love the role he plays of just, like, immediately pointing out that Jason Segal is so alone. <laughs> it's, that's. Do you guys like his performance in this Jonah Hill? I was... I was digging it, especially in the first half of the movie. I mean, him and Russell Brand are so good together, they made, like, a half-sequel. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're, I, yeah, their chemistry is awesome. If I have just one sip of wine by the end of the evening, I'll be like rimming waiters for their tips just to get up my hands on a rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> I heard that. It's like, man, how are you enjoying your visual medley? It's 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 mundane. It is mundane. It's great. I know. Jonah's funny. I like him a lot. Uh, he's yeah, he is given. He's giving Jason Segel a really hard time. Uh, he's just like very blunt to the point that everything he's doing is really sad. and He's bringing everybody around <laughs> the resort kind of down. <laughs> just pointing that out over and over. It's pretty funny. Are you guys like comfortable doing stuff by yourselves? I know a lot of people aren't. Oh, 100%. But like I feel like a lot of this movie is Peter doing stuff by himself. And I find it like relaxing to do stuff by myself. I don't know about you guys. I love it. Absolutely love it. I wouldn't go to Hawaii by myself. That's excessive. And plus, I <laughs> I would not want to be there anyway. But uh, small things for sure. You know, occasionally it might be cool to just like have a dinner by yourself. Although I can't remember the last time I did that. One of the lines was so out of date where Jonah Hill tries to give him a magazine because he'll be so bored by himself. Right. Nowadays, you just have your phone, maybe some headphones like... Uh, you're quite plugged in being at a dinner by yourself if you'd like to be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's kind of different now. Yeah, there's 
Nothing wrong with doing stuff on your own. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, like people. Some people have uh, have a hard time with other people going to the movies and stuff by themselves. It's like, why would That's you? That's the best. Yeah, yeah, it's like you're not going to talk anyway. That is the best. I don't know. Doesn't I don't like for the time. I guess it would. I don't. I don't know. Like, do you think at the time it would have been weird? I think it's weird to go on vacation maybe by yourself. But is it like a couples resort? Turtle Bay is, yeah. Turtle Bay's couples resort. So you're expecting everyone to be a couple. They're 99.9% couples, and then it's just Jason by himself. (laughs) (laughs) That is kind of funny. I would have just assumed his wife died. Like, feel feel sorry for him. Like, I've been to Hawaii, and I know of that resort, and that resort is not cheap. And it's mainly like, it really is. 6,000 a night. No, I mean, maybe for the Kapua suite. There you go. Uh, <laughs> no, I think standard room over like for like a couple of, not even like a full-on suite, just like a standard room is like 700 a night. Wow. What's weird is like, why does he stay there the whole time? Like, not in that hotel, because he gets the free room from Mila Kunis, Mila Kunis, but like, he eats every meal with Jonah Hill at the resort, you know what I mean? With where his ex-girlfriend is, like, I don't get out a little bit. Go to Lazy Joe's, whatever it's called. Well, I mean, you kind of like understand it, though. Like, Peter, before he's, like, starting to fall for Rachel, is just, like, even holding on to the idea of, like, getting Sarah back. You know what I mean? He's holding on to it pretty hard. And I just, I I love that scene when he's, like, following them to their room. And you just have Bill Hader screaming through the phone. But, like... <laughs> no, no! <laughs> no! That is a good bit of comedy. That's so like, funny. That they put in that audio... That was a great decision. <laughs> you feel better about yourself? How'd that feel? <laughs> There's some really good cutting on screams. I would say also earlier in the movie where <laughs> Jason Seagal is dragging all of their pictures to the trash can because they Siegel. keep showing up as... Co- Seagal. What? What? You keep calling him Jason Seagal like he's Steven Seagal's brother. He breaks <laughs> a lot of necks. <laughs> Jason Seagal. I was calling him Peter. Main character uh, Peter. Okay, there He's you go. deleting all of the pictures of him and Sarah Marshall because they like bring up a bad feeling in him. They, they're like his wallpaper or screensaver. But <laughs> Bill Hader notices that he doesn't actually fully delete them. They're just like sitting in his <laughs> trash can. So he quick presses like shift command delete and they all pop away and like mid through Jason's scream. It just like cuts and that's a pretty good cut. Cathartic. You know what? You're not even doing a proper permanent delete. You got it. Well, if we end up getting back together, I want to have a few of them left. You're cool. No, Please don't no. go. You have to go. Done. Done. No! Bill Hayden's movie is just so fucking funny. Like that part where Liz, his wife, is like in the room and Jason Seagal knows it. And uh, <laughs> he's like, I swear on my mother's grave. And then Liz like comes in the frame right after that. He's like, oh, hi, Liz. Like, it's just so <laughs> funny. I wish he was in it more. I kind of wish he somehow got to Hawaii. I don't know. It just seems like, oh, man, this is such early Bill Hader. It's kind of. Now I can only see him as Barry in my head. And it's like, wow, he was just <laughs> really, really fu- He's still hilarious, but he's just so, so yeah. funny in this movie. He is good. Dude, this is 2008. How prescient is this with the Zoom call humor? 
Like this is way <laughs> before it's time. And they're hitting all the right beats. Like we're all through COVID being in like Zoom for every like work meeting and seeing all the tendencies. But like they make fun of lag. They make fun. There's like times where they're talking over each other kind of because of like the distance. And I don't know. It, it Don't you guys think it, this seems like it could be on Zoom today? The background filters fucking kill me where he's like, Dude, yes. Brian, that's very racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'm in Hawaii too. Oh, that's Aloha, bitches. That's very, very cool. They're not Native Americans, Brian. <laughs> Brian, what are you doing? The luau. Oh yeah. It's called the hula. Luau. No hula. Do a luau. A luau, luau, luau. Would you guys ever make your? your stepbrother's wife appear to give fellatio over zoom as a joke yeah put your head up <laughs> put your head down <laughs> that's so crazy well that's his sister right no they're stepbrothers no, stepbrothers ah, okay so it's a stepbrother's wife <laughs> that's that is weird. the mother of my unborn child <laughs> pap how does the uh, peter and rachel relationship start off like outside like meeting in the first desk uh yeah, so let Rachel is a very chill character, and she seems very opposite of Sarah Marshall in a lot of ways. And I and I like to. It's like this is like a little thing, but like in old timey movies, usually like the good chick would be blonde, and the the bad chick would be like brown hair. But like in this one, the, yeah. the good chick has brown like brown hair. Like but there's definitely like a, like a the contrast in the way they look, the way they act, like what they what they value and everything, and. I don't know. Corey and I were getting into some deep stories when we were in the car and like about um, comfort hospitality. I'll put it that way. And I would not assume that this like uh, secretary actually wanted to go on a date with me. But I mean, she does hook him up with the Kapua suite, Kapua suite, which is like, that's like risking her job, right? Stevie? That seems a lot like strength. Dakota Fanning <laughs> yeah. could show up any day now, you know? Dakota Fanning <laughs> and her team need that room. Right. <laughs> I really wish like it was just someone else that kind of like dates it just a little bit, but <laughs> like, I mean, like what's the harm that could come of it though, Pap? You know what I mean? Like if no one has it booked and no one's staying there, might as well be used. They just can't like use like staff time on it. That's all. So is he staying there for free this whole time? I don't think so. I think what they would do is they would like make him pay a standard rate, but he'd be staying in the Kapua suite, but he wouldn't get the amenities of like what it would be if he booked a normal room. Uh, like, that's the only way it could work. He's also like minor celebrity status. He's dating this superstar and he's like involved in the business. So maybe that makes it an easier decision decision for her. I don't know if you call a minor celebrity Matumbo and Andre the Giant on a red on a red carpet, man. <laughs> He's in the business. <laughs> hey, Matumbo, I love that scene. Hey, Matumbo, I love out of the shot. Classic basketball references. Love it. But I would say everyone who lives on the island in Hawaii, like I, I mean, some of them aren't very chill. But everyone who works at this resort, other than Jonah Hill, is very chill, right? Like. Mila Kunis, the guy who wants to take him like snorkeling, like he he makes a lot of friends. The guy who he kills a pig with, like all these like little side characters are so great and just like a nice vibe for the movie. Yeah, the tertiary characters in this movie are like the 
the strength, I think. Like, you know, Jason Siegel's pretty mopey for a lot of it, and there's a lot of self-deprecating humor. And, you know, it's pretty good. But, like, when you get to, like, Paul Rudd or, like, Bill Hader or Russell Brand, uh, they bring a lot of energy and a lot of, like, weird, quirky comedy that I that works even for me, a hater of all comedies. <laughs> Stevie, how do you feel about Russell Brand? I really like this character because it actually feels like a character and not just, you know, Russell Brand. Um, especially because, like, have you guys listened to the Infant Sorrow album in full? No. <laughs> it's it's God, really no. good. It's really good. Like Written by Jason for, Siegel, too? Did he write the music? I don't know if he wrote the music or not, but, like, Russell Brand, like, does sing at all, and it's actually not bad at all. Like, for someone who's, like, not a musician or, like, a real band to, like, make an album for a movie or a sequel, it's good. And... Like, I just like how <laughs> Russell Brand's character is kind of like the antithesis to what Peter was to Sarah, and how that kind of shows through throughout the movie. We gotta do something. Yeah, I used to like adore Russell Brand as a comedian. He doesn't really do stand up comedy anymore, but I really liked him around the time he was doing this movie when he was doing more stand up and he was getting more into acting roles. And, mm-hmm. you know, this movie led to its, like, indirect sequel, Get Him to the Greek. Um, but Russell Brand, he t- he told a story about the making of this movie on one of his stand-ups that came out later. And it was about how I'm not going to be able to tell this as good, so I apologize in advance. But he was telling a story about how he was trying to, like, uh, get with Mila Kunis on the production. <laughs> <laughs> and how, like, during that process... He discovered that she had a boyfriend, so he was kind of like deflated from that notion. And then her boyfriend came to film with them and was like in her trailer. And she was telling Russell Brand, like, come meet my boyfriend, Mac. Like, he's really cool. You'll really like him. And Russell Brand's like, I don't want to fucking, I don't know. But he kind of got like dragged into it. And he, <laughs> the way he describes it is really funny. He's like, I walk in the trailer and I see what is very clearly... A 30-year-old Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> she was dating Macaulay Culkin for a long time. And Russell Brand was not aware of this. So, like, his mind was blown that that's who Mac was. It, that's that's so Mac funny. Was. <laughs> a very 30-year-old Macaulay Culkin. That's funny as shit. Country Mac. <laughs> yeah, it was Country Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Mila is so adorable in this movie. She's chill and adorable... If this movie has another strength besides its tertiary characters, is I think it really succeeds in making her amorous. And she's telling him everything that he needs to hear, right? In terms of like, hey, just don't overthink things. You want to come to this party or not, right? Like, I mean, he should have followed her like instructions more clearly when they're jumping off that rock. Like, he should have like, and maybe she shouldn't have done that. That might be a little bit irresponsible, but. I don't know. She, she's pushing him in the exact... She's the exact right person for him at the exact right time. Uh, he really lucks out, doesn't he? Kind of finds exactly what he needs, and he manages to kind of screw it up the whole way, and she's still onto him. <laughs> or, I don't know. She's not... Uh, it's kind of hard to tell. Like, everybody's like, that wasn't a date. But I feel like it had to have been a date, right? Like, nobody's, nobody's going that far out of their way for their job. Right? Like, yeah. She's taking him to bars that sweet. 
showing them around. That's a lot of stuff just for your job. Like, I mean, if you get into a fight, you know, on her behalf the first night, it's automatically a date. Josh, (laughs) one of the first times we kind of see like Peter, like, I wouldn't say like be vulnerable, but kind of like show himself or like come out a little bit of a shell. Show his wiener. Not just showing his wiener or butthole, but when he finally like, not finally, but when he plays his Dracula song at the bar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you love that song as much as I do? No. <laughs> Why? You don't like it? It's so good. I do think the musical at the end seems fun to be at. You hate the Muppets, don't you? There's a part of my brain that doesn't really get like rock ballads. Honestly, like you're being Sarah Marshall right now. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. No, no, don't play, don't it, again. play it again. I, I just Please. don't get it. <laughs> hey, later. Uh, Peter's pretty honest with her about the movie that she was on. So I feel like they have a relationship where they can be open about the creative process, right? And I don't get it. And I think that's fair. Like, rock ballads are slow, overdramatic. They're not, like, musically, they're not, like, complex or anything. I, I don't know. Why do you like it so much? I guess I would ask. It's a pretty good piano, man. Like, <laughs> sing us a song. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just the idea of turning Dracula and Van Helsing into a rock opera is a pretty cool idea, especially when it involves Muppets and Puppets. To believe things are going to get easier now. I'm still trying to shake off the pain from the lessons I've learned. The song is, like, deeper than that, too. Like, it's very personal to him. And eerily applicable to his current situation, right? Just going off like the lyrics alone. Like, it's clear that singing this song, it's not only embarrassing and it's a good bit of comedy, but as it goes on, when the comedy like wears off, he starts to like listen to it. And it's, uh, it's like his own tragedy that he's going through. And that's kind of cool, you know? You gotta have some emotion in these comedy movies that are hitting you nonstop with the joke. So I think that's a good uh, moment of transition. And you can kind of see it on. Uh, Mila Kunis's face, like going from like funny to like, ah, oh, shit. This is a little bit depressing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of took the vibe out of Joe's here. <laughs> There's only one guy in Joe's rocking with him. That yeah. guy with his wife, and his wife's like disgusted. I love by it, that, that dude. Loving it. <laughs> He's loving it. It's also completely inappropriate for the vibe of this bar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not chill. I-, I will say, I guess musically, Stevie, I don't consider it like inspiring music but dude it's very entertaining song and scene all right what's your favorite peter brother song then <laughs> which one is the biggest banger yeah that's pretty easy dr- drunk muppets go see a psychiatrist which one I, it all culminates with uh little vampire babies popping out whatever <laughs> song that is right when the babies pop out i love that i like the go see a psychiatrist song that's my favorite part of the That's whole movie. That's my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> the total breakdown. <laughs> I watched that clip on YouTube like at least 10,000 times to the point where like when the movie keeps going afterwards, I'm used to hitting like replay at that point. Like his face when he's like, uh, go see him anyway. Like his like face <laughs> that he's making is just so good. Like in the song is actually like, I don't know, like you said, Stevie, like the piano the whole time is like just good enough, right? To be believable. Or it mm-hmm. is good enough that you need to be like listenable. Everybody hates you. Everybody-
everybody wishes that you were dead Cause Peter you suck, Peter you suck Peter your music is fucking terrible Peter you suck, Peter you suck Peter you don't do anything of value Peter you suck, write some music But instead you sit and write these bullshit songs It's so self-loathing, go see a psychiatrist I hate the psychiatrist, well go see one anyway I don't like the psychiatrist, you need to go see one See a psychiatrist, I'm not going Yeah, is he really playing? I would imagine so. He is a musician. Something like that, probably, yeah. He he played guitar and wrote a few songs for Freaks and Geeks during the production of that show, so I imagine... That's a pretty hard chord, man. <laughs> Damn. Josh really hating on Jason Segal for his music talents yeah. in this. No, that was one of my favorite lines from Fe- Freaks and Geeks. Who was Arno. their principal? Oh, you're pulling out the deep cuts, yeah. Mr. Rosso? <laughs> yeah, he plays them an Alex Cooper song, and everyone thinks it's pretty like awkward and and as they walk out. Yeah. yeah, everyone thinks it's all cringe, and they walk out, and he's like, actually, those are some pretty hard chords. Right. Yeah, and it's just like <laughs> fifth funny. chord. like. <laughs> I'm looking at a video here where he sings Dracula's Lament with Jack Black and he's playing the piano. Oh, that's oh, I epic. guess it's really him. Mikey, we get a lot of dinners in this movie. And one of my favorite dinners is when uh, Peter and Rachel are pretty much becoming an item, and they have dinner with pretty much a falling apart Russell Brand and uh, landlord Kristen Bell. Break that down for us. Yeah, they uh, all show up at the one restaurant on this entire freaking island. That <laughs> the whole state. <laughs> they like do the nice, nice thing of like inviting them to dinner, but they don't really want them to come to dinner. They don't want Russell Brand and uh, Kristen Wiig to. Or wait, uh, what's her name? Kristen Bell to uh, come to dinner uh, with them. So they offer, and then Sarah Marshall says yes, just to like spite them because clearly her relationship is not going well, and she's just kind of want to see. She wants to see what is up with this Rachel girl, because uh, she's talked to her a couple times, and she has said that she's like really pretty, and she's like kind of. Kind of uh, just like jealous of her in in a way, uh, and she sees how much time she's spending with with uh, Peter. So she's trying to get to know both of them, I guess, in their situation, and it's not going well. Everybody's getting hammered, uh, and Russell Brand is <laughs> somehow not. I, I I forgot this part in the movie. I thought for sure there was like. So, where he accidentally drinks and he's just like fucking up. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was that too. I guess to get him to the Greek effect. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but huh. yeah, he's he's not drinking because he, he's sober and he's just kind of observing everything in a sober in a sober light, and he's seeing that like yeah, this relationship is not. I think this is where Russell Brand is like this is not going to work out with Sarah Marshall. Not that it was that 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 was ever his plan because he was fucking other people as well like during this entire time so does anybody have a reason why sarah accepts the dinner invitation Mm -hmm. because earlier she 
is jealous, but she has like a good conversation with Mila Kunis and she like tells her that Peter is a good guy. And and that's not the, a good conversation. No, it's Josh. not. <laughs> that's not a good conversation at all, dude. It it's tense, but ultimately it's she leaves. But tension. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like okay, that's okay. not a good I'm conversation. <laughs> I think the point, though, Josh, that she turns is the shirt, Sir Tommy Bahamas shirt. <laughs> uh, and it, I do admire him, and I do. <laughs> unlike Bullet Train, which we just did a podcast on, Josh, did you like the? the use of flashbacks because they're very short it's a lot of quick cuts between things but they convey like a lot of information right like this one's that jason siegel was like always super accommodating and like would wear the lame backpacker hat that she got him well i have a favorite flashback that i bet you wouldn't suspect would be Mm. I, I i think my favorite one and the one that's most telling is the one where Mila says, like, hey, you don't have to, like, dote on me. I I can get my own beer or something like that. And then it does this flashback of Jason, uh, like, holding the purses. This is where he gets called Matumbo yeah. and stuff. <laughs> Andre the Giant. And it's the first time he has a flashback that's not um, putting Sarah Marshall on a pedestal. And it's something about it hits, like, like such a satisfactory part of my brain. It's it's not like a great flashback, like technically, like nothing is super cinematic about it. But like just like the storytelling, I was like, ah, yes. Like he needed this so bad. You know what I mean? It's relatable too, I think, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been in a lot Very... of like uh, painful breakups and, you know, that that happens, you know, when you start like meeting someone new or, you know, changing your situation uh, you think about these things and you compare them in your head and I, I think it's relatable in that way so i agree that it is good storytelling and you kind of get the idea that like sarah marshall was probably peter's first girlfriend I, I don't know if you like if you have an origin story stevie stevie question how did they meet but like i think she got super famous and he said something like you know his career didn't pan out kind of like he thought it would is that kind of the vibe yeah so like the way i kind of saw it was you know landlord Kristen bell's character um (laughs) uh, landlord partner (laughs) yeah dax's uh landlord in crime do they Um, like slumlords like what's the deal there no they i think they bought a few high rises and pretty much raised prices to the point that affected like areas around them you know what I mean? That's how it typically happens. Who doesn't want to live in Sarah Marshall's building? Worth every penny. Yeah. Anyway, the way I always kind of took it was she was like this Midwestern girl that went out to L.A. to become an actress. And along the way, she met Peter, who was like kind of like an on the verge, like struggling musician. She has a thing for musicians, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the funny part. Definitely. Uh, yeah. And so... It's just kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, her career is catapulting and his is kind of stagnant. But along that way, she likes the musicians and, you know, she wants to be with a successful musician, which is Russell Brand. But he is nothing to what Peter is, which is someone that will dote on her the entire time. So, I mean, I don't know. I just I love that aspect of the movie. You have, you know, one Australian musician who's such a sweet and nice guy can be kind of a man child versus just another musician who will fuck anything that moves. I, I, he's got, he's, he's, uh, 
scoring a whole TV show. I mean, he's not failing. No, but I think he actually wanted to be like an actual like rock star. He wanted to be Aldous Snow, right? He wanted to be Aldous Snow, yes. But is that what she wanted him to be? Or she just didn't want him to be depressed that he wasn't that? I think she was depressed that he wasn't that. Dude, I'm so glad that scene's in the movie, though, Josh, where she, like, is that after she gives him the blowjob and he denies it? Or I don't know exactly. No, it's way before that. Okay, way before when they have the big fight. Dude, that's... I feel like it's a really good scene because otherwise, uh, Kirsten's Bell's Kirsten Bell's character would just seem like this ginormous bitch. You know what I mean? This like humanizes that character a lot because Jason Segel's not like maybe you know maybe he's not like a bad guy in what he's doing, but they're pretty incompatible in terms of like what they want in life. Yeah, he's he's a mess uh, <laughs> in the beginning. Like he's he just mess. doesn't take care of himself. Okay, who hasn't just yelled "You shall not pass" in your living room alone? That's not <laughs> weird. <laughs> well, not just that, but you're kind of you're like you're really right, Pap. Though, like Jason Siegel's character Peter gets super complacent, and complacency is like the death of any long term relationship, especially when you're at different points and like stages in your life. It's all about timing. Jason Siegel has too much free time, you know. Like he does his job, yeah. But, like, he doesn't really seem to be passionate about anything anymore. And that just lends itself to, like, the argument you guys said about being complacent and how it affects the relationship. Like, I never have time to sit on the couch and eat cereal and watch whatever the fuck he's watching. (laughs) Yeah. Jason's character pisses Republicans off, for sure. (laughs) Get that and work. That free time should be time working. (laughs) Is he even practicing the piano, or is he just playing the stupid vampire song over and it's over again? It's not stupid. <laughs> Practice your scales. Practice your scales. Do you guys uh, agree with uh, Sarah Marshall, like her reasoning for breaking up with him, like after seeing that scene? Because like, I, how could you not get bored with him? He doesn't do shit. Like, come home at the end of the day, he's just like fucking being a slob on the couch. Like, I can see why she's upset with him of course but a coward to cheat on him for a year right no, before well, yeah, breaking up with up, him. but it's like he's a piece of shit too so i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know it's just it's a compelling story i guess is what i'm trying to say is they both have the reasons but yeah super shitty of her as well and russell brand has herpes too in this movie <laughs> that'd be devastating one of the just not inflamed at the moment one of the funnier scenes, <laughs> like, do, do you guys like the sex off between the rooms? No. No, nah, not really. I am sorry. I know it's like corny and cheesy a little bit, but there's this beautiful gem of comedy when Mila Kunis and Peter are actually having sex. And there's this awesome shot where it shows like Sarah just overacting her ass off. And the camera slides just a little bit over to Russell Brand's face during this, and he just looks mortified. (laughs) I cracked up when he called it a ghastly display. (laughs) I don't really like this scene. I feel like it kind of ruins their whole first time having sex, right? Now that they're like, I don't know, because at some point they're yelling. He's yelling at her, too. I don't know. It's just... Yeah, that's weird. I don't really like it. 
I don't like her first sex scenes with Russell Brand either, where they're like clothed in sex positions. I'm not asking them to be naked. I I just don't find much humor in that. It's one of those like low hanging fruit jokes, you know, because yeah, Jason Siegel says something like, <sighs> "Yeah, Sarah's probably like very upset now," and then it like hard cuts to her banging Russell Brand. So it's like they say one thing and then it's like the opposite. I used to call those like Wonder Years jokes. Was that on the United Airlines cut? Yeah. There was some nudity <laughs> too. We liked, we liked Wonder cut. Years. <laughs> Corey, we like Wonder Years though. We do. We do. But it's an easy so joke to make. what's your deal? Me. That's why they did it every episode of the Wonder Years. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? Pap, what gets Peter off the island? Um, gets Peter off. What gets Peter off the island? Well, it doesn't get Peter off. Um, so Sarah Marshall, you gotta feel bad for Rachel in this situation, especially at first when she doesn't have the full context. But as Peter describes it, he goes in the room and Sarah Sarah's just crying and crying, and he goes to comfort her, and then she tries to kiss him, and then he, he was kissing her. And the next thing they know, their clothes are off, and she performs... They're not, though. 10 to 15 seconds of fellatio on them. Their clothes weren't off. It meant nothing. 10 to 15 seconds meant nothing. You know what? I don't really like this whole part, actually. I feel like the movie would be better if she he didn't... I don't know. It just feels like kind of like wish fulfillment, right? That the person who breaks up with them comes back like begging on their knees a little bit. Yes. Well, it's not like it came out of nowhere, though. The part where she's giving him head and he can't get hard or whatever, I really despise watching the screen at that time. It's terrible. I, I hate it. Why? It's so awkward. You don't, you don't like blowjobs, Josh? Good question. It's also it's also very confusing. <laughs> Josh, Josh is very anti. It's very confusing that, like, <laughs> her... Like, it takes me out of the movie because, like, Kristen... Belle refuses to be like nude and I'm fine with that but then she's like giving head Josh are you Daryl from this movie God put our mouths on our head for a reason (laughs) (laughs) you're telling me that's just regular stuff just head to a flaccid wiener while you're staring off into the space being like it's Awkward guys, it's meet the fuckers. Awkward. Yeah, he can't get it up though. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Is he hurt? She hurt him so bad that he can't even get hard for her. Yeah, she broke his heart into a million pieces, guys. She's the devil. But I wish his <laughs> brain made that decision and not his dick, right? Because at the end of the day, he doesn't. Like, had he gotten hard, he would have fucked her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's like, so what does that say? He's not even like really making like making this choice consciously. To be with Rachel. It's interesting you say that because what is your unconscious? What what are your unconscious deci- decisions, Pap? Is that not you? I mean, probably, but I feel like his care, like the growth, is his conscious part of his brain. Even his inner boner soul couldn't do it, <laughs> and that's the that's the point. 
Inside you, there are two souls. One's a boner. (laughs) (laughs) But he does the right thing, Stevie. And he goes and he tells Rachel about what happened. That is the right thing. She's obviously devastated. Dumb. Dumb thing. The right thing. The right thing. He tells Rachel she's devastated. And he does what he's so dramatic. What he probably should have done on their first date. But I don't know, man. It's pretty sweet when he tears that picture of. Mila Kunis photoshopped over somebody else's boob in the bar. Like that's, I don't know. I like that moment. And I like the way that she reacts to that too. That guy knew. He knew what he was was doing. I don't know why he calls it doo-doo paper in that scene either. If that's a thing. Because it's doo-doo paper. Why is there so much toilet paper in that bathroom? There's a whole corner that he falls into just filled with toilet paper. That's pretty much uh, the definition of why I mostly don't like comedy movies, Pappy is because there's so many jokes that some of them are bound to just, like, fall so flat. And to me, that's one of them. Like, that's a joke that he says, you're throwing the doo-doo paper? Yeah. That is not a funny joke, though. It's pretty low-hanging fruit calling toilet paper doo-doo paper. But it's realistic, because why would just some random bar bouncer have some, like, hot, super hilarious joke in the bathroom before he's supposed to beat someone up. I don't think that's supposed to be like a joke. I thought it was funny that that he was trying to be funny. That's, it was almost like that sort of thing for me, Stevie. Hey, brother, what you doing, huh? You're stealing my art. I want you to put it back right now. Uh Put it back, bro. Understand? Give me a picture. Doodoo paper. You're throwing doodoo paper. Give me a picture. (laughs) Don't be stupid, brother. Just give me the picture. You can hit me as many times as you want. I'm not giving you the photo. Man. He knew he was going to kick Jason's ass, so he had like time on his hands to make a joke that was funny to him. <laughs> <laughs> it was meta for him. You're going to throw doo-doo paper at me before I bust your lip, bro? <laughs> like That's kind of funny <laughs> in his own mind. Giving it too much credit. I was trying to see if like doo-doo paper was like a local colloquialism, but when I search doo-doo paper, all I see are references to this movie and a product from Star Wars gifts that's doo-doo or doo-doo not. There is no try printed on Ooh, that's a paper. good one. Yeah. $15 for 100 cheats. <laughs> not cheap. Order me one real quick. <laughs> Corey, how much were you laughing in this movie? Uh, Did you find it funny? Three times. So those are two questions. Did I find it funny and did I laugh, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Corey's laugh is sitting back and going, humorous. Yes. This amuses me. (laughs) I I did find it funny, but I didn't laugh. And the reason is, is because I've seen it before and I know all the jokes. But the parts that were most humorous to me by far were Paul Rudd. That was also the bit that was most funny to me on my first viewing, and it still is, specifically Paul Rudd teaching uh, Jason Siegel how to surf, right? <laughs> when he goes, pop up. No, you're doing too much. Just just do nothing. Do nothing. <laughs> and he just like lays there. He's like, well, you got to do more than that. <laughs> he starts off by saying, uh, don't listen to your instincts. I'm your instincts. <laughs> <I'm> saying, what? <laughs> <laughs> right you know the direction was just to like ad lib and give the most oh, contradictory yeah. advice you can possibly give i'm gonna be your instincts kunu will be your instincts don't do anything don't try to surf don't do it the less you do the more you do let's see you pop up pop it up 
That's not it at all. Do less. Get down. Try less. Do it again. The storytelling aspect that I love is that in the first scene with Paul Rudd, you as a viewer are all in. Like, yeah, he's got some wisdom. He's like, <laughs> maybe this seems like bullshit, but maybe this there's something, there's some substance to this. But then, like, the next time he comes, he doesn't remember him. He's like, oh, you have pain behind your eyes. <laughs> yeah. So you get the feeling he says that to, like, every third person. <laughs> you're the guy from Kaiser Permanente, right? Yeah, you're the guy who knows Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> they have the guts in the movie to never make Paul Rudd wise again, ever after that. He's just, like, <laughs> kind of falls flat. And I love that. Like, he never regains that first scene trust. And he shouldn't. I do like that scene a lot with... The when Russell Brand gets coral in his thigh, and the absolute worst person you could imagine, like to be on a certain job, is Kunu Paul Rudd's character. And there's just those two lines of like when, uh, you know, Russell Brand like looking at him going, "I'm in a lot of pain," and Russell and uh, Kunu is like, "You sound like you're from London." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I also love that line when. Peter's like, Kudu, go get help. And he's like, all right, monster man. And you know he's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, he's going to walk away and forget like why he walked away. How many people have died under this guy's watch? Too Damn. many. Dozens, Josh. <laughs> I love, uh, what's the other movie with Paul Rudd and Jason Segel? Because they haven't, it's not like a sequel to this in any way. But I love you, man. That movie is good. I really yes. like that movie. Did that come out like the same year or year after this? 2009? What year was this? Okay, so a year after. Yeah. Oh, wait. I mean, there was a lot of comedies that Judd Apatow had his fingers in around this time that have like a similar style of humor. And like, this is really like the last wave of like comedies that I got into like seeing in theaters and stuff. But I, they all s definitely hold a special place in my heart. Like whether or not I'll like find all of them as funny as I once did, I do like most of them. Yeah, Judd was on a tear. You just can't make comedies anymore, boys. What I like about this Everything's woke Judd now. movie... Everything's woke now. <laughs> you can never, can't make, make them. never make this movie okay. today. Yeah, he can no. never make this movie today. <laughs> never make it. Jonah Hill's too skinny. <laughs> too much sex. Sorry, too much Josh. dong. I think they're going to do an all-female Pineapple Express in about five years. Go ahead, Josh. What were you going to say? No, I love that shit. <laughs> We're talking about all the tertiary characters and how they add so much to this movie. And I think this is on the side of the Judd Apatow movies where not every side character is like trying to out funny the other one. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's a byproduct of it being like in Hawaii. So at, to some extent, they're trying to out chill each other maybe. But that's one of the things that's really off-putting to a uh, Apatow movie that I would not like is when it gets like super goofy, goofy like maybe an Anchorman two, where it's clearly ad libbing and everyone's trying to like one up each other. I don't know. That's a beautiful movie, Josh. Have you seen it? Yes. <sighs> Watch it again. It's so good. I mean, Apatow movies do get really like improv-y, like you were saying, Josh. But this movie does a better job, I think, of like the fast one-liners with those side characters, right? Like Jonah Hill saying, when he's trying to take the plate from Jason Segel on the 4th of July, he's like, ah, I guess I'll go fuck myself. And he's like, what? Like, <laughs> That's a good one. Pretty quick. The best tertiary character line, I think, is the one dude that tells Mila Kunis to like back off being mad about Jason cheating. 
Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. I love that part. What does he say? He's like, it was just a, a little bit I, or something. <laughs> he refused a blowjob from his ex-girlfriend mid-blowjob. <laughs> I don't understand what there is to think about. Because, D, he... She licked a tip. That doesn't count. Of course it counts. He, he... he what? He refused a blowjob from his ex-girlfriend mid-blowjob. Do you know what that's like for a man? It's called blue balls, Rachel. This guy's like Gandhi, but better. He likes puppets. I love puppets. I love Fraggle Rock. I love Lamb Chop. I love Elmo. Sesame Street, Bert and Ernie. Stuff I love again. Everyone on the island knows the story. This follows so kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I do love like those like those little bits. So like before he leaves and he slams that picture down to Mila. How he goes to chemo and that dude who's talking about receiving the blowjob and they're looking it back at Mila just shaking their heads. Like, how can you not love this man? Mm-hmm. Why would you do this to yeah. our boy? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were doing to Kirsten when we were trying to shoot free throws at three o'clock in the morning and she drugged Jordan away. Mm-hmm. You guys remember that? <laughs> yeah. Spot on. Why, why do you have to leave? <laughs> why does Jordan have to leave? <laughs> Corey, take us back to the mainland. Well, this whole uh, exercise in forgetting Sarah Marshall that uh, our character Jason Siegel has gone on is um, one, he's succeeded in a way, right? Because he is pretty much officially over her by the time he leaves Hawaii. But due to the events with Mila Kunis, he's now kind of like had his heart broken a second time. But it's very clear on this time that it was pretty much his own fault. And he's really down in the dumps. When he gets back, he kind of like hits bottom, but uh, also becomes like inspired in his grief. And he really like gets his shit together and like puts together his Dracula musical that he's talked about that he set up earlier in the movie. But I also feel like the pieces have always kind of been there. He just never put in the work. And he he now finally does. So he like he kind of like finds himself and finds joy in his life in a way that he hasn't before just by working on himself. Do you think he put everything he had into this production, this Dracula show, Stevie? Did he max out all his credit cards? This is a huge production. They've got like 10, 15 people in the show. He's in crippling debt right now, Pat. He never (laughs) crawled out. He could have sold his house in LA and got $3 million for it. No, this is 2008, Mikey. This is the bottom. Yeah. He's he's, in the water everywhere. Yeah. yeah. All the credits are coming due. All the notes are coming due real quick. Um, but you're right, though, Pap. It is a huge production, and it looks amazing. Uh, Josh probably hated every second of it. I understand that. I think this would be the um, coolest thing ever to go see. It'd be so cool. Yeah, Josh, why do you hate Muppet musicals? It is a pretty cool production. And I think, like, I don't know if it's as big as you're putting on, though. Like, how many people do you think are in in there watching to me it's like a hundred that's what i'm saying like there's at least how I many like there's 10 people in the show at least especially at the end when they all come out in masks and stuff that's just everyone's family who's there like this is yeah <laughs> times 10 people you know but i don't know i the thing that i don't like about it i don't like seeing people on screen laugh at something that i'm not laughing at and that that bothers me at eensy weensy bit. I love I love the Muppets. I love the puppets in the show, but like I'm not really laughing at Van Helsing killing Dracula and it's always like cutting the crowd and they're like cracking up. But you didn't see the whole play. Yeah, maybe there's something there that fell back. True. True. It's a journey. 
Dracula's Lament. Context. <laughs> yes. That's a good rule of thumb. If the audience is laughing, but you're not, it's like, what am I missing? What's going on? This isn't good. But apparently, so he worked with um, Jim Henson's company to get these puppets, and then he like used this and that relationship to pitch his Muppet movie, which I fucking love, Stevie. That's a fucking great Muppet movie. I love that movie so much. 2011 Muppets. What happened to Jason Segel? I, I was just thinking that, like, after that Muppet movie... Didn't he get into, uh, like, writing a bunch of YA novels? <sighs> Did he? Yeah, let me see what it's called. Same with Russell Brand. Russell Brand doesn't really do much. No, he became, like, Toe Rogan. He's, like, huge on YouTube now, Russell Brand. He's got, like, fucking 5 million subscribers or something. So Jason Siegel wrote books called... Nightmares, Other World, Other Life, Other Earth. And hmm. yeah, he wrote like four or five books. It's very YA yeah. sounding, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> seems like a very artsy guy, more than just a comedian guy. He seems to be pretty well-rounded and everything. Yeah. In a way that I once thought his uh, co-star of Freaks and Geeks might be um, James Franco. <laughs> But yeah, uh, things went dark for him. <laughs> never get the Freaks and Geeks reunion. I know, right? <laughs> Anybody else love Bill Hader just screaming his head off at the end of this play? Yeah. He became a puppeteer in six months, did he? Seemed what, dedicated. Got his friend a good job, whatever. Or his brother. Yeah. Why is he such a good character without any like motivation behind <laughs> any of his actions? <laughs> <laughs> Begin, middle, or end. Like, I don't know. That's all Bill Hader. I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, so, because we all watch Barry and like we're, I don't know, like in my head, that's all I see is now is him as Barry. So like going back to this was like, wow, he was so, so funny. Just being just a straight up goofball guy. Not a soulless serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of weird seeing him just play the comedy role. Pap, take us out of this movie. Um, well, we talked about the production a little bit. I guess the key part here is that he had invited Mila Kunis, Rachel, to the show after not really making contact with her for months and months and months, apparently. She shows up, and we get one final shot, Stevie, of Jason Siegel's dong. We get, we get back to it again, and they embrace... Beautiful dick. Beautiful, Beautiful dick. dick. Um, and the, that, that's it. Why? Why? Does it bother you? That's what I was thinking this earlier. It's like you can call spoilers. It's a choice. You can call spoilers juvenile because we like make Viggo Mortensen dick jokes all the time. But like, at least I'm not giving this movie like two stars on Letterboxd because there's like quote too much penis. Like I don't, I don't know. Like I like that he puts it on himself to be the the nudity in this movie. Like agreed. That takes some. So it's brave. It's brave. Well, it's something you don't see a lot. I don't know. You see a lot of boobs in movies. A lot of bags. Yeah, you never see Dong. Especially, like, the main stars, Dong. <laughs> just, like, so <laughs> open out in the area. Out out in frame or whatever. It's just, like... Does that just add to the quirkiness, then? Is that kind of what y'all are saying? Just funny? Unusual? Weird? It's part of the uh, humor at the time, I think, Josh. Unexpected? Like the Judd Apatow like movies, like they dip into the gross out kind of humor, 
occasionally. And I think, you know, that's just, it was funny at the time. But it's, I mean, but it also like really happened. Well, like, if you, if, like Stevie like if said. you think of like adult comedies, you're always expecting, oh, there's going to be a pair of boobs somewhere in this. But no, like, I mean, I guess there is the fake Mila Kunis boobs or whatever, but it's a lot of just this dude's dong. He's putting it all out there to give us some Are we laughs. sure those aren't real Mila Kunis? There's no way that's her. Oh, man. Why, no, why are her. you saying that? It's why? over. I have wasted okay. some opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the exact second on the VHS of yeah. Sarah Marshall. All right. Yeah, I do like how this movie has a happy ending, though. I know it's cheesy, but I think it matches well with the context of the film. And then, Josh, since you hate Dong and you hate blowjobs. true. No. And you hate a good piano no. in this movie. Did you at least like NBC's Animal Instincts at the end credits? <laughs> Billy Alec Baldwin. Oh no! It's not. It's Jason Bateman it's Jason of Smartless. Bateman. Smart. Less. Uh, Jason Bateman from Smartless. I don't know if you guys know. They're like a big rival pod to us. Mm. Um, Never heard of them. At the top of the charts, it's pretty much Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and then spoilers. It's their them versus us. But we see them. It's on site. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rival gangs for sure yes i mean i liked it but i guess stevie i don't like credit scenes generally but i was entertained and i do love me some jason bateman for sure you don't like credit scenes movie's over bruh (laughs) (laughs) like what are you doing if i'm in a theater i always have to go to the bathroom so badly and it's so annoying and i have to wait and see if there's one you know what I wish would come back? What's that? 90s comedies blooper reels. Oh, that'd be great. Like we the deserve to have those. Yes. Rush Rush they're so warming. <laughs> they're so hearty Nothing's and like, good and wholesome. Nothing's Th- better they're than fantastic. Rush outtakes. Get a little action in there with Jackie fucking <laughs> yeah. up. Get a little you have Kung Fu fighting playing in the background. <laughs> Nothing is fucking... I could watch that for hours. I could watch Thank you, Mikey. for fucking hours. You could roll the credits right next to it the whole time, too. I wouldn't care. <laughs> this is why if I ever become a movie producer, Mikey's the first person I'm calling. He gets me. Except we do a drama and all of the outtakes are awful. <laughs> baby, baby, I love you, baby, baby. Alrighty. Um, anybody have any final thoughts before we get into yes or no's? I do want to give a little bit more of a shout out to Jack McBriar, who plays Darlin. That ca- Indiana. That side character is pretty funny. Which one is that? He's the uh, yeah, the one that Ruffles. like reminded me of you in the movie. <laughs> the one afraid of sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's very frightening. Yeah, Jack McBriar is awesome. That's got to be like, and or uh, that's got to be before Thirty Rock as well. Like that's got to be like one of the first times we see him, and yeah, he's. He's hilarious. He he doesn't really do anything now either, does he? Wreck It Ralph too. He's aged out of the virgin model. <laughs> He's aged out of being Conan's sidekick. <laughs> the only final thought I had, Stevie, is for some reason when Paul Rudd says the weather outside is weather, and he like sings it, and it's like, 
It like hangs on that shot a little bit too long, and it's kind of forced. But it's been in my brain since I first saw this movie. I think it literally. Oh, the weather outside is, is weather. weather. I think it literally all the time. I think it all the time. <laughs> That's a real earworm. The weather outside is weather. Yeah, that wasn't quite it, but we're gonna figure it out out there. Let's go surfing. Come on, everybody's learning how. Come on, uh, the weather outside is weather. There's also another thing that happens to Paul Rudd that lasts a little too long. But it always cracks me up is that when he's at the bar and he sees uh, Leap Day Williams' um, wife. Uh, oh, God. She's a redhead. And they walk away. And he just goes, I wonder if the carpet matches the pubes. <laughs> and it lasts just a little bit too long, but it's so funny. Jason Siegel's reaction to that, just pure disgust. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Brand is a pretty good-looking dude in this movie. It works really well that he's just able to kind of do anything he wants or something. I saw more than one person say on Letterboxd, overall, this is a very, very attractive cast. It is, right? I mean, I, again, I don't know about Jason Segel as Peter, yeah, but like, Paul Rudd. a lot of great looking people in this movie, for sure. All right. Um, Josh, let's start with you. Yes or no's? Huge yes to this movie. Um... I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite comedies, but I think it's like right in my subconscious and probably bubbling up there towards that region. Um, I mentioned the scene where there's like a flashback of him having to dote frustratingly on Sarah Marshall. And I love that scene because I think it says so much about the characters. And also what I love is like the scene where he gets revealed to him that Sarah has been cheating on him for a year is devastating. But like, I I think it's really good movie making because it's clear that like, that's really not why they break up. And besides the doting scene, I think there's one other scene to key in on. And that's the scene where Sarah Marshall finds out that the show has been canceled and they go and have like a quick dinner. And she tells she tells Peter that the show's been canceled and like his reaction is just to like ask her about her and she's perfectly fine to talk about herself for the first like two thirds of that conversation. And it's not only till it ends that she realizes like, Oh, Peter also like works on this show that (laughs) is canceled. Um, I, I love that because as much as like maybe it's, kind of even he's a man child but she's successful and it that kind of puts you back firmly in the camp of jason siegel which (laughs) i really appreciated and there's just little touches of honest to goodness really good writing in this movie so it's got to be a yes decent Corey. yeah this is Corey. I'm going to give this a yes because I have like a strange bit of nostalgia for this movie. And, you know, like when you see a comedy, sometimes they're funny once. Sometimes they're like eternally funny. And sometimes they start to like dwindle. I think this one is in the start to dwindle camp for me. But I'll tell you, when I first saw this, I thought it was like one of the funniest movies I'd ever seen. And I was like at the perfect like age for that. I must have been like 21 or 22. Yeah. And 
that whole era of comedy movies like were really perfect for someone my age and they were very clearly made for someone my age it still works in a lot of ways and uh, more ways than I expected it to on this most recent rewatch the side characters are great Paul Rudd absolute perfect Russell Brand love him Mrs. Standup Bill Hader funny as always and you know it's it's it can be like corny at times like with like the way it ends you know a little bit stereotypical even with like the heart graphic that goes around like the two puppets (laughs) that represent our main characters but you know you can set that aside and just like take it in for a pretty good ride with uh, some decent emotional beats so it's a yes for me cool mikey uh yeah it's a definite yes uh like all of the apatow comedies uh i don't think there's a bad one uh and uh, i just think this holds up pretty well Uh, i think it has a decent message i mean compared to other apatow movies uh just i don't know if you've ever gone through a breakup it's like fun to watch i guess like just the it's certainly your breakup certainly can't be as bad as this guy's so it's just nice to like <laughs> find catharsis in it uh so i like it for that aspect and yeah it's got a great cast i mean i a lot of these people aren't acting anymore really but yeah, yeah for the time these guys were really awesome it's a great cast and uh I think it holds up. I think it holds up fairly well. I th- I agree with Corey that like maybe I I almost felt like I didn't need to watch it because I had seen it so many times and kind of knew everything. But I watched it and I laughed again. And but now I'm feeling like I don't know. Maybe I don't need to watch it anymore because I've just I do have it memorized. So maybe that's just me. But I've seen it so many times because I like it. So it's a yes. Pappy. Um, definite hard yes for me. And I think it's mostly because I'm a big fan of Jason Flock of Seagulls. Uh, I just, <laughs> I think that this is definitely a Judd Apatow movie, right? Like in the sense that it's got the same cast, a similar tone, a similar joke style to his other movies. But this is also definitely a Jason Siegel movie. And you can tell the kind of things that he's into, like, he goes on to make the Muppet movie. You know what I mean? It's not just like some like yeah. weird idea that he had that this guy's really into puppets and, you know, discussing this and like that it's about or based on breakups that he actually went through. Um, I, I just think that's really cool. And, and I think that it's, you know, maybe that's why he shows his wiener that he's like just really bearing all of himself like into this into this movie. And, and I really like this. I really like the Muppet movie. He was always my favorite character on How I Met Your Mother. So I might just be like really partial to him um but this is probably one of my favorite apatow movies a raging heart vigo mortensen yes cool cool um yeah i'm gonna give this the hardest of yeses uh i love this movie it's why i picked it i think the comedy is a super sharp i think the acting is great i love movies set in hawaii uh, i brought that up a few times on the pod before um and this movie just works you know this is Kind of mentioned it during the pod, I think Corey did. You know, this is during a time when, you know, Apatow was just cranking them out in comedies that were just really sharp and really funny. Um, and this definitely ranks on, like, the higher end of them. 
And this is definitely a comfort film for me. I know it's weird to hear. I'm usually into much darker films for comfort films. Um, you know, if it's not, you know, wolves in Alaska trying to hunt down Liam Neeson, I do love seeing Jason Seagal go through a breakup in Hawaii. So <laughs> hardest of yeses. Um, Pat, do you want to read Brett's? Yep, I have Brett's. Uh, he sent it to me in a notes app text message, like an apology screenshot. Um, here we go. Sir, I couldn't be there tonight, especially considering I love this movie. But unfortunately, quote, it's getting hard to believe that things are going to get better anytime soon with my COVID and post-COVID symptoms. Oh, no. That being said, this is the hardest of yeses for me. This is one of my favorite comedies of all time. I love the ca- I love all the casting in this movie. Aldous Snow is one of the funniest side characters ever. Mila Kunis is gorgeous and sweet. It has great lesser characters played by Jonah Hill, Bill Hader, and Paul Rudd. Yeah, we talked about all those guys. It was a nice villain in Sarah Marshall. Villain was in quotes. It was just a perfect comedy with a ton of quotable lines, which hopefully, which you've hopefully talked about. Dracula's Lament is such a jam. I'm really bummed I missed this one, but I want to make sure I got a quick review in. So a hard yes for Brett as well. How dishonest. I know he likes the hanging dong, and he didn't mention it. That was it's just bullcrap. Interesting omission. And I know yeah. that he loves that Kristen Bell is a landlord. Extra income. Passive income, as they say. <laughs> Stevie, what? <laughs> is this like a controversy? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just always find it funny when people give her, shit, give her and Dak shit over it. Let's see. You know, landlords, you know what they like to say, right? It ain't honest, but it's much. <laughs> it's much. <laughs> it ain't honest, but I like that. It ain't honest, but it's much. That's great. Y'all ready for some trivia? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I just want to ask a quick question. Is the winner of this trivia picking a spooky spoilers movie? Ooh. Oh, shit. Yeah, probably. That is insane. It's yeah, about, probably. It's about that time of year. About that time. Let's get as many as we can in. And we've all hosted pretty recently, too. So it's not like... Yeah. Uh, that list, by the way, Stevie, you're the most recent. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, obviously. Me on Avatar. Josh on Children of Men. Corey on Good Time. Brett on Good Son. Mikey on Uncut Gems. Jordan on Stigmata. Stevie. Okay, just some, we're going to do a closest two. Okay. All right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you pay attention to me on the podcast, or even Dave Mellows, I've said at least more than one time... That Disney and Adam Sandler have never made bad movies in Hawaii. I want you guys to give me the collective worldwide box office of these four movies. Lilo and Stitch, Moana, Just Go With It, and Fifty First Dates. Closest to wins. Okay, Lilo and Stitch. What was the second one? Moana, Fifty First Dates, and Just Go With It. Worldwide box office. Take worldwide of those four, add them together. What do you got? Am I up first? Sure. Let's do it. Well, you tell me. Yeah, Pap, you go first. $290 million. All righty. Then, Corey? $2 billion. Whoa. $2 billion. Okay. Uh, let's go. Who's up next? Would it be Josh? Probably me. Yeah. Brett or Pappy, you were at two ninety. Mm-hmm. 
I say two. I'll say two eighty. One billion. Got to do some math on this one, boys. <laughs> I heard the calculator. <laughs> oh boy, the collective box office. Actually, I'll run through them. Good idea. Worldwide box office for my folks, Lilo and Stitch, two hundred and forty-five million oh, eight hundred thousand. No. I'm fucked. <laughs> Collective worldwide box office for fifty-first states, one hundred ninety-six million wow. three hundred twenty thousand. Collective box office for just go with it, two hundred fourteen million nine hundred seventy-four thousand nine hundred fifty-three dollars. And the collective box office for Moana, six hundred and thirty-two million eight hundred fifty-two thousand three hundred and seventeen. Can I just say something about that? Yeah, that was Ellie's first movie I ever took her to, and today, every second, right? Today, as we record that, is a it's her birthday. So that's right. That's awesome. And she did love it, but dude, she got fucking freaked out a few times and we had to go take a break and go get some popcorn <laughs> at some point just cause it's a car dude the like the lava monster guy uh, the part where abuela is gonna like die that's sad <laughs> stuff man I don't know if she's abuela she might just be crazy grandma but yeah it kind of would be scary for kids did she, did she at least like the crab yeah, but that does ha- that dips into some scary parts. You're talking about the guy from uh, Jemine. Yeah, what is that show called? The Flight of the Concord. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. New Zealand show. I love that stuff. Okay, those four movies have a collective gross. Sorry, <laughs> of one billion two hundred eighty-nine thousand. Let's go, or, Mikey. No, no, two hundred eighty-nine million nine hundred forty-seven thousand five hundred ninety-nine dollars. Making Mikey Let's this go. week's winner yeah. and going to be the oh, first spooky. recorder of spooky spoilers. Let's go. <laughs> Shit, got to find a spooky spoiler. All right, well, Mikey does that. Um, Pat, should we kick, kick it to spoilers, man? Yeah, for sure. Take it away, spoilers, man. Special thank you to our patrons. Matt Troll. Come on, I got Almond Brother tickets. I gotta get out of here. Brother Brian. Brian, you don't need to put your P in a B right now. No, I don't. I need to B my L on somebody's T's. Druid King. Find a new show. Nick. Came here to murder you. (laughs) The Meg. You know that I'm at my place of work, so I can't just leave here and sell you some weed. I can sell you some weed when I'm done. David. He'll be... Looks like you got a little pain behind those eyes. Yeah, maybe a little. There's really only one cure for that. What's that? Weed. You got any? Nurse Stacy. Let's go in, all right? Tacos are on me. The wolf. Ow, ow, ow. Mahalo. All right. Barky 420. Okay, when we're out there, I want you to ignore your instincts. I'm going to be your instincts. Kunu will be your instincts. Davey Kerr. Life is full of lessons. You learn something new every day. So, 
I wonder what I'm going to learn tomorrow. Total Movie Recall. We think the world of Sarah. We think she's great. Okay. But, I mean, I'm just being honest here. Every time she would come over to our house, she always acted, you know, like a, like a little bitch. P.K. God put our mouths on our head for a reason. No! Spencer. He barely even looked at it. It's a good-looking dick, Peter. Beautiful dick. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. And we're back. Mikey, what is going to be our first entry into Spooky Spoilers this year, year of our Lord, 2022? Um, This isn't so much a horror movie this is more of like a body horror movie uh it's very cyberpunk pranks the fly uh the fly was was on the table uh but i think i'm gonna go with 2018 upgrade has anybody seen that oh yeah Yeah. nice pick that's fantastic we haven't done that right and nah okay no there's a lot of movies we've done it's getting hard to remember them all now What's that guy's name again? Logan Green or... Logan forgetting Corey Marshall Green. Fake Tom Hardy. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. The guy everybody always confuses with Tom Hardy in every movie. Well, that's exciting. Mikey, you want to take us out? That was spoilers. I was way off. I was real confused with your answer, Pap. I thought you were just throwing it. No, I'm very tired. I thought Kylo was throwing it. I did. Almost not. (laughs) (laughs) You almost got it. Gotta throw it harder next time. (laughs) I definitely just wasn't thinking enough for worldwide. Like Moana, six hundred million alone. I did do Lilo yeah. and Stitch, two hundred million. That's a lot. Two hundred forty-five. Yeah. Okay, I think I got something. You ready, Mikey? Yep. That was spoilers.